2: Welcome back everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King full of turkey, pumpkin pie and whipped cream after a great Thanksgiving holiday weekend. I hope the same for you and yours was the case last week. And with that, I'm going to welcome into the show Victor King from King Creole Sports as we get ready to go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And first of all, Victor, at the top of the list, how was your Thanksgiving week?
1: It was fun, satisfying. Of course, not a lot of people, uh, social distancing, but uh, enjoyable, nevertheless, with our uh, small little inner circle of family. Now, in terms of our results, we did lose our five star. That was the uh, Raiders uh, Falcons game over the total. Obviously, the Raiders did not come to play in that game. What was the final score, 43 to 6? We lost that one by four points, a little bit frustrating. But to, uh, to our credit, we did come back with two over-under wins after that, and that would be the three-star play on Carolina-Minnesota over the total, and we came back on Monday night with a really nice under winner in the Seattle-Philadelphia uh, game on Monday night, so at least we closed out the week on the plus side. But uh, I want to talk about Mark. You know, on Friday morning, you know, Mark came to me and, Obviously, he was a little bit concerned because you had promoted your 10-star college football game of the year over the weekend. It was going to be West Virginia, home underdog against Oklahoma. But on Friday morning, the game was called off because of the COVID. So, you know, naturally, Mark was a little concerned. But to your credit, Mark, great job pivoting. And that's a word that we've used a lot here uh, during this 2020 year. How can we pivot and still survive? And Mark did. He spent all of Friday researching the NFL. He came back with the great four-star Game of the Week winner on the Atlanta Falcons outright. San Francisco 49ers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a perfect 3-0 Sunday in the NFL. So, again, a great job pivoting when uh, misfortune strikes us. And, again, uh, fabulous job with that 3-0 Sunday, Mark.
2: Well, I appreciate that, Victor. Thank you very much. Uh, we would lo- love to have obviously seen the West Virginia-Oklahoma game play. So, too, would of all the fans, the alumni, and the rest of the college football fans. But uh, that wasn't the case. That's the world we live in today. And we're forced to adapt to situations because of the COVID. And uh, we were able to do just that this past weekend Fortunately for us, we come away with a, a really solid winning weekend, and it was capped, as you say, by the perfect 3-0 Sunday in the National Football League. We'll take that each and every week. And speaking about college football, Victor, uh, at the top of the list here, obviously, is uh, the fact that the college football playoff rankings are out again. There was no change in the top four, and I believe, as you and I discussed before we began the show, I don't know if you said it was the top seven teams r- remained unchanged in the poll as well. Uh, So it also remains a question to be seen whether or not these top four teams that mirrored each other in week one and week two in the polls will remain there at season's end. Because as we talked about last year, no time in the history of the college football playoff has the top four ranked teams on the initial week of the poll made it all four teams to the college football playoff. And it would be a little bit difficult not to see at this time Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State not making the playoff. But there is a case in a situation, as you talked about uh, in my conversation with you before the show, and uh, it could be that Ohio State might not win the Big Ten championship. And if they don't, because of the COVID situation and because of some of the ugly rumors that are going banding about right now, and I'll let Victor talk about that in just a moment, my question to you, Victor, is Would Ohio State be in the college football playoff if they do not win the Big Ten championship?
1: Yeah, and that is a question that a lot of people are asking. Now, of course, Northwestern was a previous undefeated team who lost uh, to Michigan State. So was Oregon, losing, what, 41 to 38 to Oregon State to the two teams that basically fell the most in the rankings. And as you mentioned, of course, on Tuesday night, ESPN comes out with their college football playoff rankings show. And it was, uh, again, not too much. The top seven teams remained the same. But Kirk Herbstreit threw a little bit of fire into the mix. Uh, He tossed what I would call a Mason and blue Molotov cocktail into the mix <laughs> when he volunteered the information that he thinks potentially Michigan waves the white flag, fakes a bunch of COVID results, and does not play Ohio State next week. It would basically be the ultimate revenge for Michigan and company. I don't know whether they do that or not. But the rules state that if you don't play the required amount of games, you can fall out of the potential College football playoff rankings. And while the Buckeyes have a game this week, we'll see if they play it. But uh, that is some pretty controversial news on ESPN. And of course, I know anchor Reese Davis kind of smartly and quickly, you know, went back at Herb Street asking him if that was indeed what he was implying. But uh, quite the thing for him to say. And in fact, after he was uh, confronted by Reese Davis, he actually began to. Double down even a little bit more so uh, we're talking about adding some fuel to the fire i don't know for sure whether that will take ohio state out of the top four or not but that is the controversy and conspiracy going on in college football right now
2: yeah, it's the ugliness part of the COVID, and it would also like you say victor maybe be the ultimate revenge for michigan and what looks to be jim harbaugh's swan song season with uh, the Wolverines uh, going out. He couldn't beat them on the playing field, so maybe perhaps there's a a little talk being bandied about about how they can beat them uh, at least technically by denying Ohio State a chance to win that Big Ten championship. That's interesting, and it remains to be seen. One thing that I do know, uh, and this time of the year, is I do a couple of things as we head into the month of December. Uh, When it comes to the college football scene this year, I went deep into my database and what I learned going into my database this weekend in college football is that uh, there have been obviously an abundance of canceled or postponed suspended games in the world of college football because of the COVID. So the question becomes, what happens to these college football teams that have three or more weeks in between games because of the COVID cancellations. Do these college football teams come out ready and fired up and charged up and anxious to play, or are they rusty because of the three-week delay between games of the COVID situation? I'll say this, that uh, in putting that study together here, there's some interesting things that I learned right at the top. I'll share this with you now, but more importantly, a little bit more detail than what I'm going to explain is that the college football teams that have had the unfortunate uh, situation of having to bow out with three or more weeks in between college football games, it's been a 50-50 split for those teams. They're 14 and 14 straight up and something close to that to the spread. But when you get down deep inside of the spread and it's all about the situations, handicapping is all about situations. And when you look inside those numbers here, a couple of numbers do jump off the page. For instance, double-digit favorites. That have had three or more weeks off in between games are seven and one against the spread the eight times they've been there uh teams that are facing opponents that are off straight up at ats losses are seven and one against the spread against those reeling football teams Uh, i'm going to lay all this out in an article that i'll post at the playbook.com website on thursday so be sure to check that out the findings of what has happened in the world of college football what it is that i learned when college football teams have had the misfortune of playing with three or more weeks of rest in between football games. Some interesting stats I'm sure you'll be wanting to know if you're interested in that type of uh, of a study. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's shift over to the National Football League side of things, where, as we talked about earlier before we got into the show, Quite another good week for the underdogs, I guess, in the National mm-hmm. Football League, to say the least.
1: Absolutely, ten and five ATS last week. You were on three of them on Sunday. Sixty-seven percent across the board for NFL underdogs. And here are the numbers uh, year to date. Now 72 and two against the spread. That's just a pure fifty-eight percent playing on the doggies this season. Uh, you'd have a very, very nice bankroll by now uh the two best situations you might want to take a look at this week there's a 13 and 5 ats for dogs off a straight up division win in their last game these dogs have gone 13 and 5 two of them going this week san francisco against buffalo and washington against the pittsburgh steelers and another profitable dog situation this year has been 10 and 4 against the spread for all dogs coming in off two or more losses versus any opponent off a loss. And that situation applies to the Detroit Lions this particular week. So, again, another outstanding week for dogs. Year-to-date, they're looking fantastic. And, Mark, since I did just touch on the Detroit Lions, you know, there were some uh, firings last week in the NFL. Uh, Jacksonville getting rid of their general manager, the Detroit Lions. Uh, Parted ways with GM Bob Quinn and head coach Matt Patricia. And I know for Detroit fans, they're probably thankful that that mess is over. Not a good fit for Matt Patricia. In fact, this is a guy uh, that's supposed to be a defensive guru. And in the three seasons that he coached the Lions, their scoring defense has gotten worse every season. They were allowing 22.5 points per game in 2018. Zoomed up to 26.4 last year and all the way up to 29.8 this year. So when you're a defensive guru and your team regresses on defense like it has over the last three years, it is indeed time to go. And one more thing, Mark. We also have to revisit the Bill Belichick former head coaching tree and the combined regular season record for Bill Belichick former assistants as NFL head coaches is now 208 and 296. Wow. That's a 413 winning percentage for the Belichick disciples who became head coaches.
2: Wow, interesting stuff. Uh, Victor talking about the firing of Matt Patricia and the Bill Belichick coaching tree, which has not fared all that well when they moved on to become head coaches in the National Football League. And Staying on that topic a little bit, Victor, here, I know uh, we have featured before in the past some listener rants, and uh, one of our good uh, longtime listeners, Jeff Kabasiak, from Canada, uh, north of the border, uh, sent us an email and talked about how what we've seen so far in the National Football League about the clueless coaches, speaking about head coaches, and uh, Matt Patricia being fired, and uh, you mentioned that he was also a defensive coach that uh, obviously didn't coached his team up defensively, a lot like, if you will, Dan Quinn in Atlanta come in as a defensive head coach for the Falcons from Seattle, and uh, that defense ended up eroding and costing him his job as well. But as far as these coaches in the National Football League are concerned, one of Jeff's comments is the fact that how clueless these coaches have appeared to become when it comes to going for two-point conversions to the National Football League. And, you know, I thought it was maybe perhaps just me when I'm watching this and wondering, OK, they're living by a chart and they're going to follow the, the chart, the analytics of what the chart says to do in two point situations here. But some of these things have been bizarre and totally off the wall. And one example I think that sticks out the most about clueless coaches when it comes to two point conversions, the National Football League had to be Romeo Cronell I don't know if you remember this, Victor, or not uh, when he took over the Houston Texans and he played Tennessee in a football game. And it was in the late, late stages of the football game, less than two minutes to go in the game. And his team scores to go up by seven points. And instead of kicking the point to go up by eight against Tennessee, he opts to go for two points and win the game right there then. And now figuring he's going to go up nine and the game will be over. He didn't make the two point conversion. He opened the door for Tennessee. And what happened? Tennessee scores and wins the game in overtime. A totally clueless observation on his part to go for two points at that stage of the football game. That's just one situation I'm talking about. We've seen a bunch of others uh, throughout the course of this football season here going for two points at the most inopportune, unrealistic times of the football game during the uh, the course of the football game. And it makes my head I have to scratch my head and wonder what it is I'm watching in these games. So. Uh, I guess the bottom line to this whole thing is buyer beware. If you're playing a football team involving a coach in a situation where the point spread is less than a field goal, be careful because it may well come down to two-point conversions, and you never know what you're going to get, like Forrest Gump said about a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get from these NFL coaches when it comes to two-point conversions. One other thought that I have, Victor, here before we hop off to our National Football League Game of the Week breakdown is... Also in the month of December, what I do each and every year is I break down the NFL football teams and how they fared heading into the final month of the season in games against winning teams. And this is really, really a strong study, uh, and it's nice to know records of teams of how they've done head-to-head against other winning teams season to date as we go into the final quarter of the National Football League season here. And just a quick recap of uh, what we have this season here is uh, right at the top of the list. Uh, these are records of teams that when they faced an opponent, that opponent had a winning record at the time of the play. And obviously, the two teams that stand out the most uh, are the two premier football teams in the National Football League. Kansas City is 6-0 and straight up in games against winning football teams this year. The Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, perfect also in that route. 3-0, and both straight up and against the spread. Uh, and if you take a look on the opposite side of the coin, the teams that have really struggled against winning football teams this year, I think you can win a bar bet. If I told you that there was only two teams in the National Football League that are winless against winning football teams both straight up and against the spread this year. One would be the Washington football team. I didn't make that mistake and call them the you-know-what skins, <laughs> the Washington football team. 0-3 straight up, 0-2-1 against the spread against winning teams. But the other, a surefire bar bet, is the Green Bay Packers, who have faced two winning wow. teams this year and have lost both games straight up and against the spread. What that tells me going into the month of December is the Packers have been on easy street this football season Maybe perhaps because of the division in which they live, but uh, the fortuitous break of the schedule as well. So keep an eye on that moving forward with the Green Bay Packers and see if uh, if they can't improve on that. You can look for an early out from the Green Bay Packers when it comes to be the playoffs. But an interesting study nonetheless and something that's worth considering moving forward in your handicapping the National Football League throughout the month of December. Examine these teams and see how they've done in head-to-head games against winning teams thus far this football season. And a quick note before we get out of here for our quick break here, as I do each and every week. The playoff picture in the National Football League as it exists today going into the month of December. The number one seeds would be both the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New Orleans Saints. The number two seeds, Kansas City and Seattle, who has moved their way back up, the Seahawks have. The number three seeds, the Tennessee Titans and the aforementioned Green Bay Packers. The number four seeds, the Buffalo Bills and the upstart surprising New York Giants are now in the playoff picture, folks. Seated number four in the NFL should the playoffs begin this week. The number five seeds, the Cleveland Browns and the L.A. Rams. Number six seeds, Miami and Tampa Bay. And rounding it out, the number seven and final seeds would be Indianapolis and Arizona. The other three teams from each conference that are knocking on the door, keep an eye on these teams. Number eight seats, Baltimore and Minnesota. The number nine seats, Las Vegas and the Chicago Bears. And number 10, the New England Patriots and the vastly improving, soon-to-be-in-the-hunt San Francisco 49ers. With that... You're listening to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And don't go away. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our NFL game of the week. we got a dandy inside the NFC conference. When we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
3: Only the Playbook Experts VIP experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com. Or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. All new Playbooks tokens are here. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and it's time for our National Football League Game of the Week. And we've got a dandy untap between two prospective playoff teams inside the NFC Conference. When the L.A. Rams travel to Arizona to take on the Cardinals, this should be one heck of a playoff atmosphere-like football game. Victor, how do you see the Rams and the Cardinals shaking out from an over-under total perspective?
1: Before I get into my over-under breakdown, Mark, as long as you were talking about clueless coaches, I got to throw in my two cents worth at least to get this off my chest. And my clueless coach in the NFL is Anthony Lynn of the Los Angeles Chargers. So many one-score losses for this particular team. And yeah, I'm a little salty because in the totals tip sheet, we were on the over in that game with the Buffalo Bills last particular week. And I have no clue what this guy's game plan was for the Buffalo Bills. For some reason, they decided to hitch their offense to a running back who had not played for six weeks. I'm talking about Austin Eckler. And you give 30 plays to this guy who hasn't played for six weeks? I do not get it. At the half, Eckler was already gassed, but did they make any halftime adjustments? Hell no. They still fed him the ball in the second half. You gave them 18 more plays. They gained 2.1 yards per carry and only 3.7 yards per passing attempt. And I I just do not get it. Uh, They ended up losing uh, with the game on the one-yard line. And I do not get this guy, Anthony Lynn. And look, on paper, the Chargers are a fantastic team. I know they have some significant injuries on defense. But heading into the 2022 season... If this team is going to contend, and yeah, they are a potential playoff team, it's going to be without this particular coaching staff. In fact, this guy has screwed up, Mark, so much that there's a new adjective this year in the NFL. It's called not winning, but linning, and that's spelled L-Y-N-N-I-N-G, and it basically means when your team should be winning, but instead they get the L, as in loss. So that's my nomination for clueless coach and clueless offensive play calling but I feel better after getting it off my chest and we'll move forward to the Rams Cardinals game, a game in which we will indeed be going under the total opened 48 and a half. It's gone up a half point to 49. So we can kind of wait this one out a little bit to see if the over underline goes up even further. What's a surprising aspect of this game is it features actually two of the top three under teams in the NFL. That's uh, hard to wrap your head around when you're thinking about the high scoring NFC West Division, but it's indeed the case. The Rams are number one in the league with their three and eight over under record. That's three overs and eight unders, and the Cardinals are right behind at three, seven, and one over under in addition. In the last two years, this series in the last four meetings has averaged only 42.5 points per game. And from this week's Totals Tip Sheet Newsletter, we already know that this is a good week of the season for division games to go under the total. This is a 5-21 out of the database. That's 5 overs and 21 unders. Game 12, Division Affairs, when the over underline in the game is 47 or more points, and this game definitely applies. Not only that, but we have a case where both teams are off surprising straight up favorite losses last week. The Rams losing at home as a favorite against the Niners and the Cardinals who were a short road favorite against New England. And that's another good situation for an under in our database. In fact, over the last three years, these games have gone one and ten over under. All home underdogs when both teams come in off a straight up favorite loss in their last game. So it does apply to both the Cardinals and the Rams, uh, for the Rams, of course, that was at that last second close loss to the Niners. Final score was, uh, what, 23-20 to 20 in that particular game. O nine and one last four years. Game seven or greater, division road teams off a home loss of three or less points. That applies to the Rams. And again, as I mentioned, for the Cardinals, a road loss versus New England. This has gone 0-7 over the last three years. Division dogs of less than 14 points off a non-conference road loss that went under the total. And uh, this is a play from our totals tip sheet. In fact, it's Monkey, our other canine, who's been on Cardinal unders in each of the last two weeks. This will make it three weeks in a row in which we're going to be playing a Cardinals game under the total. And here's the uh, clincher for us. When the Rams are on the road and they are road chalk, we always look to go under the total. In fact, the Rams are a perfect 0 and ten over under as road favorites of two or more points in the last three years. We already know that Arizona division games have gone under at a good percentage. They've gone three and eleven over under in the last three years. Arizona Division home games. So Wait out the line. It's currently at 49. It might go up a half point, another whole point. But either way, we're going under the total. Late afternoon, NFC West Division battle, Rams versus Cardinals.
2: Victor's looks for a playoff-like atmosphere between the Rams and the Cardinals as he goes under the total in this big NFC showdown game in the desert on Sunday. Taking a look at this matchup, opening up on the LA Rams side of the football, a football team that's played some really good football especially the second half of the season, up until last week at least. The Rams come in here having dominated the Cardinals of late in the series, 6-0 and straight up and against the spread in their six meetings the past two years. The Rams also happen to bring in top 10 ranked offense and defenses into this game, number six overall in total offense, number two overall in total team defense. The ugly part about the Rams is, is a situation that the team inherits coming into the game. They're 1-9 and 9 straight up and 0 and 10 against the spread on the road against 500 or better teams that are coming off back-to-back losses. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that particular situation as I close out my preview on this football game in just a moment. The Arizona Cardinals... Come in with the number two overall ranked offense keyed by obviously Kyler Murray and the great season he's having once again this year. The addition of DeAndre Hopkins to the lineup here has really been a big boost to this Cardinal offense. Looking at the way the season has unfolded for the Cardinals since their bye week, this football team has really begun to sputter. They are one in three straight up and zero oh and four against the spread in their four games after the bye, but from our midweek alert if you look inside the stats at those numbers here in those four football games they have won the stats an average of 100 yards a contest that's really an inside-out number here taking a look at how they performed on the scoreboard and against the spread as opposed to how they performed in the stats Arizona is really playing good football despite the fact that they've stubbed their toe here of late Kyler Murray, as I mentioned here, 12-6 and six to the spread in his career as an underdog taking points in the National Football League. Arizona themselves in a great role as home underdogs of four or fewer points. They're 13-4 and 1 straight up in those games, going 14-3 against the spread. What gets me to Arizona in this football game is a handicapping theory of mine that I use very, very often, especially this time of the year. As I mentioned, in the month of December, we've now got a good data, a good feel, a good base behind these National Football League teams, and what works for Arizona in this game, for me, is the fact that winning teams, when they're playing at home, off back to back road losses, which Arizona is, that winning team who comes home off back to back road losses, they sometimes get overcompensated for by the public and the odds maker, given the fact that they're off back to back losses, but remember, they both occurred on the road, and this is still a winning team. When that last loss came as a favorite on the road in the second half of the season, this angle applies from game nine on out. Those teams are 21-7 against the spread when their opponent is coming off a home game. With that, I'll stay at home with the Arizona Cardinals and take the points in this football game from my side in this big NFC West Division showdown on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show, and it's time for our one of our favorite segments on the show as we hop out to Las Vegas and get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco, joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. And Andy, the first question I have to ask you is, how did the scales look this week after that big Thanksgiving hoedown that you had? I understand it was quite a feast for Andy Isco Thanksgiving Day.
4: Well, Mark, I'm uh, still looking at leftover turkey that'll probably take me uh, not too far from Christmas Day. So it was a very enjoyable. Uh, well either that or I'm going to eat very very tiny bites which is not like me so uh, it was very enjoyable Thanksgiving both the food uh, and the football and the uh, uh, the friendliness and et etc which uh, uh, was able to be enjoyed albeit uh, from a distance uh, nonetheless the results for the contest this past week uh, were considerably better than the week before but then again it all would have only taken one winner amongst the consensus plays for it to improve upon week 11 and indeed it did in fact we'll start with the Super Contest uh, Classic, that's the contest that drew 1,172 entries. That's the, uh, the gold standard by which contests are, have been measured these days. $1,500 entry fee, five picks a week over the 17-week season. Heading into last week, the uh, consensus was 25-31-1 as a result of an 0 and 5 in Week 11. However, this past week, Week 12, 3-2 uh, for the consensus, bringing the record for this season up to 28-33-1. Uh, uh, the number one pick in the contest was, was a winner last week, as that was a play on Seattle uh, with their win Monday night. And... Uh, uh, cover with the contest line of five even though a lot of books uh, got uh, middled on that game when the game fell six when uh, when uh, coach Peterson uh, inexplicably I believe went for uh, a single point uh, when down by uh, uh, eight at uh, the final minute of the game after neglecting or failing to go for a field goal when they had opportunity earlier in the fourth quarter when they were down by 11. That being said, it does count as a winner for the contest, 6-5-1 and one for the season, looking at the number one selection each week for the 12 weeks. The third quarter also came to a conclusion last week, and there was one winner who went 16-3-1 for the four weeks, weeks 13. Uh, weeks uh, 9 through 12 and that was good enough to take home uh, the first place prize. Uh, The second place finisher was 15-4-1 one one full point behind the 16.5 compiled by the winner. As far as the main contest itself, the leaderboard looks as follows there's one person with a lead uh, right now of 3 points, 41-17 and 2, that's a total of 42 out of a possible 60 points and that works out to a 70.0 winning percentage as i mentioned that's good enough for a lead over three contestants tied at 39 one further back at 38 and a half two behind that at 38 there are six At 37.5 and and six more at 37, which works out to a total of 19 contestants within five points of the leader who has those 42 points, as I mentioned. And at 37 out of the 60 points, right now, if you're hitting 61.7% with those uh, 37 points or more, you're within five of the lead. Overall, there are 41 contestants in the field with exactly uh, 36 points or more, and that works out to 60% exactly. 118 contestants are in the money right now. The contest pays the top 100 in ties. In order to be in the money right now amongst the 118 contestants, uh, you need to have accumulated at least 34 or more points, which works out to a modest winning percentage of 56.7%. But in this season where it's a short field in the Super Contest due to several factors that we've discussed in the past, the main one being the COVID, which uh, reduced the number of people coming in from out of town uh, from being able to sign up this season. And of course, the main reason uh, really being the uh, competition provided by the Circa and their new contest that started last year. We'll have that in a moment. The Super Contest goal, which uh, is a winner-take-all $5,000 entry fee. There were 72 entrants, $360,000 awaiting the sole winner of the contest. Uh, last week, the, contestant, the contest actually for the consensus tied with two selections, making the top, making number five, the fifth most popular, five and one for the week. That brings the year-to-date, season-to-date total to 33, 27, and one. The top selection in the contest last week was a winner with the San Francisco 49ers against the Los Angeles Rams. And for the season, seven, four, and one for the number one selection amongst the $5,000 entry fee contestants in the Super Contest Gold. The leader of that contest, 33, 38, 20, and 2, that's 39 points for a winning percentage of 65.0. Overall, in that contest, there are seven contestants hitting 60% or more, and 14 contestants out of the 72 are within 5 points of the leader who by the way has a 2 point lead over 3 contestants tied with 37 points, 3 more a half point back at 36 and a half. so those 14 contestants within uh, 5 points of the lead are hitting at that same 56.7% uh, I just mentioned as f- uh, regarding the overall Super Contest Classic finally in the uh, Westgate Contest uh, uh, Inventory uh, 153 contestants entered the Super contest reboot, which is a second contest $500 entry fee, begins with week number nine through the end of the season. The leader in that contest, 16 and four for a total of 16 points out of a possible 20. And that's good enough for a a one point, uh, uh, excuse me, a three and a half point lead over the one contestant who is in second place at uh, just 12 and a half points. So a little bit of a gap opening up almost halfway through that contest. Uh, now we turn to the major contest in Las Vegas this season. It's sponsored by the uh, Circa Hotel and Casino. Their grand sportsbook and casino opened at the end of October. The casino, the uh, hotel itself opens uh, at the uh, end of December for New Year's uh, weekend. This contest, uh, wide appeal. Based upon the Super Contest, five picks a week against the Static Point Spread line, uh, Drew one. Drew needed uh, uh, 3,000 entries because the prize pool was guaranteed at uh, uh, $3 million. Uh, it Drew 3,148 entries at $1,000 each. Uh, the contestants uh, for the consensus last week, though, just two and three, bringing the year-to-date results for the contestants to still below 500 at 29 and 31. The top selection each week in the contest has improved to, or had improved to six and five. It's now down to five hundred six and six on the season. Last year, the most uh, popular sele- last week rather, the most popular selection, the Las Vegas Raiders, who were on the road at Atlanta, got rolled forty-three to six, bringing the record to six and six on the season. The third quarter was also decided in that contest. There was one contestant, eighteen and two over the uh, four weeks, uh, 9 through 12. Of course, that included week 11's 0 and 5 for the overall consensus. So, kudos to that contestant who went 18 and 2. One, one contestants finished in second place at 16 and 4 and 17 contestants split the third place prize for the quarter. 15 and 5 uh, was their record. As far as the overall contest goes, there's one leader at 42 and a half out of a possible 60 points. That's a winning percentage of 7 70.8%. Good enough for a one and a half point lead over one contestant at 41. One more contestant at 40 and a half. Two more contestants at 40. And it trickles down after that to the extent that there are 27 contestants within five points of the lead. and That would be 37 and a half out of the 60 points working out to a 62.5% winning percentage. Overall, 79 contestants are uh, in the money and take to be in the money they pay the top 50 and tie so 79 currently in the in the money and that works out to exactly a 60% winning percentage 36 points out of the 60 has you hitting 60% also has you amongst the 50 contestants who are cashing and the new contest this year the circus survivor Drew 1,390 entries, they needed 1,000 to meet the uh, guaranteed prize pool of $1 million, which will go to the lucky winner. They exceeded that, so 1.39 million going to the sole winner of the Circus Survivor Contest. It's a standard King of the Hill, last man standing, uh, suicide pool type contest where you pick one team a week just has to win the game straight up, no point spread involved, and uh, if you win, uh, you advance. The contest-, the contest began with 1,390 contestants, and last week was a two-week split contest. I've mentioned in the past that Thanksgiving Day had its own little contest. You needed to pick one of the six teams that were scheduled to play. Unfortunately, the cancellation of of the uh, Pittsburgh Dallas game, uh, sorry the Pittsburgh Baltimore game, eliminated one contestant who had picked uh, 60 contestants, had excuse me, the one contestant had picked Pittsburgh before that game was closed out overall of the 209 contestants who were alive heading into that one day contest, 105 half the field advanced advanced, and almost the same number uh, 100, excuse me 104 advanced, 105 uh, were eliminated, 100 three had losing picks 90 were on Dallas uh, ten uh, were on uh, uh, were on Detroit and I mentioned there were uh, uh, two more were eliminated due to uh, having the uh, the no selection leaving 105 alive uh, for uh, this weekend or this past weekend Sunday and, and Monday Uh of the 105 who were alive heading into the second part of week 12, 103 advanced. One was eliminated by picking the Rams over the 49ers, and one more was eliminated once again. Uh, with having uh, no selection. So heading into uh, week 13 of the contest, the full week 13, 103 of the 1,390 uh, contestants uh, uh, remain alive. I'm going to predict next year that if there are still restrictions such as we had this year with the COVID, they're going to get at least 3,000 entries in this contest next year. It's proven extremely popular. A lot of uh, talk about it. And if there are no restrictions and things go back to the way they were in 2019 and before, I wouldn't be surprised if this contest hits five thousand entries at a thousand dollars a shot for a survivor contest has an awful lot of appeal. Finally, the booby prize that we've mentioned—who go the uh, one uh, the um, one hundred thousand dollars that goes to the contestant who has made five picks a week for seventeen weeks—so they have the worst record through eighty-five picks, having made a, having had to make a pick each week. Nineteen and forty-one is currently. I guess you have to use the word leading that contest, 31.7%, which is pretty much the, uh, uh, pretty close to the opposite of uh, what would be 41 and 19 if that person was trying to uh, pick winners. So that's a rundown on the contest as we are now uh, about to begin week 13, the fourth quarter of the uh, four quarter contest uh, uh, prizes that are being available covering weeks 13 through 17.
2: I guess, Andy, it's all about numbers, this game. And when you mentioned the booby prize, if having the worst record in the million-dollar contest, 1941 for the record for that person is, ironically, the year of World War II. So uh, that person has bombed out as well, it seems, in 1941. But he still has a chance to take home a little bit of scratch by having the worst record in that particular contest.
4: He does. He does get to collect something for uh, collect something for those bombs, and uh, you know, it is, it's actually interesting. And you know, we kind of joke about it and everything. But you know, people say, "Well, why don't you just try to pick losers instead of winners?" And I used to think that you know. Maybe it's, it's not the same. It's, 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 it's a little different because you are eliminating teams that you think have very little chance of winning as opposed to giving more consideration to a team that, yeah, they're a weak team, but maybe they can cover. So it's a really a different strategy that you use. In other words, you don't just try to pick losers using the same techniques and the same approach that you use in picking winners. At least that's what uh, I've been gathering from my own experience uh, and from the experience of talking to others on the subject. That uh, It's not as easy as it sounds, and it's certainly more difficult and certainly more different than uh, the normal way that you go about when you're looking to pick out the good teams as opposed to looking to avoid the bad ones.
2: We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and if you haven't done so yet, I encourage you to download his weekly newsletter just in time for the football games this weekend. You can log on at TheLogicalApproach.com and have that newsletter in your hands for the games this weekend. With that, Andy, let's uh, take a look, if you will, at the early lines in the National Football League for next week. Compliments of Jay Cornegay and the Superbook in Las Vegas and perhaps any arguable major changes you've seen from those lines from what was previous to this week. Any observations on your part would be greatly appreciated.
4: Sure, Mark. And beginning with the uh, uh, the adjusted lines that were put up for Week 13, as we mentioned, these lines, uh, the advanced lines that are able to be bet at the uh, Super Book at uh, at the Westgate, put up Tuesday in advance of the game proceeding. The games for which these lines are put up. So, for example, uh, these lines for December 3rd, uh, which was last, third uh, excuse me, uh, which was which is going to be this week's games, were put up uh, two days before Thanksgiving, two de- uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, the only note of significance: Miami was a ten and a half point home favorite over Cincinnati when that game was taken off the boards prior to Sunday's actions. When that game came up afterwards, Cincinnati, a tight loss to the Giants. Miami, an uninspired but comfortable win at the Jets. There was a one-point adjustment when they hung the line again Sunday afternoon. Cincinnati came back in as an 11.5-point home favorite. Indianapolis at Houston. The Colts uh, were 3.5-point road favorites initially. Of course, Indianapolis lost at home to Tennessee. Uh, Houston had uh, their game on uh, Thursday uh, where they easily handled uh, Detroit. Interestingly, there was an adjustment. It didn't seem necessarily warranted uh, other than to perhaps f- go from Indianapolis from three and a half down to three, yet that line was put up at two and a half. So they crossed over three uh, based upon uh, the impressive Houston win and the solid loss that Indianapolis had to Tennessee. However, interestingly, again, enough, that line went right back up as far as the betters moved it up to three and a half, feeling that the three and a half, was better than the two-and-a-half. Other lines of note, this one's pretty interesting. The Rams at the Arizona Cardinals, prior to the games being played, this line was originally posted, uh, Arizona a one-point home favorite. However, the early betting action actually had the Rams a a one-and-a-half point favorite when the game was taken down Sunday afternoon. Then after Sunday's results were in, with the Rams losing to uh, the 49ers and Arizona losing on a uh, late field goal at New England, The Rams continued to be the favorite, but they were adjusted up to two and a half. That line has now gone to Rams minus three at uh, Arizona. Uh, Green Bay, of course, uh, they were six and a half point home favorites against Philadelphia when that line went up and when it came down on Sunday Uh, prior to their Sunday night game. Against Chicago. When the line was put up on Monday morning, uh, it opened at 7 and was further bet up to 7.5 prior to the Monday night game where uh, Philadelphia lost at home to Seattle. When that game was reposted once again on Tuesday morning, Green Bay was installed as a 9 point favorite. Game between New England and the Chargers. The Chargers were 1.5 point home favorites when that line came up following Sunday's action. It was made a pick'em, and Kansas City only a one-point adjustment based on last week's results. They're hosting Denver on Sunday. They had been a 13-point favorite when the game was initially posted and then taken down on Sunday put back up as uh, 14-point double-digit home favorite. Looking now ahead to week number 14, these will be the games that are scheduled to begin on Thursday, December 10th through Monday, December 14th. The the Thursday night game on Thursday, December 10th, the Los Angeles Rams hosting the New England Patriots. The Rams 6.5-point home favorites. On Sunday, December 13th, Green Bay will be at Detroit. The Packers 7-point road favorites. Tennessee at Jacksonville Tennessee a nine and a half point road favorite at the Jaguars Dallas favored by three and a half at Cincinnati Arizona favored by three as they travel across country to face the New York Giants Houston will be at Chicago the Texans one and a half point road favorites Denver will be at Carolina, where the Panthers were installed as four-point home favorites. Minnesota at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay at home, favored by six and a half. Kansas City. Seven and a half point road favorites at your Miami Dolphins, the Raiders will be hosting the Indianapolis Colts in one of two very key games in what will be a three game home stand uh, that uh, that starts next week. They host the Indianapolis Colts in a game that could have uh, wild card implications. The colts two and a half point road favorites. The Jets will travel across the country to Seattle where the Seahawks have been installed as fifteen point Home favorites over the still winless New York Jets. Atlanta at the LA Chargers. This game has opened a pick 'em. The New Orleans Saints will be in Philadelphia, where the Saints will be six points or have opened six and a half point road favorites. San Francisco will be hosting the Washington football team. And of course, this game will be played at State Farm Stadium. In Arizona, the home of the San Francisco 49ers, both for this coming Monday night's game against Buffalo and the following Sunday's game against Washington due to COVID restrictions in place in Santa Clara, county uh, forcing San Francisco to find a new location Uh, so whether you want to look at this as a home game for San Francisco I'm actually looking at it as a neutral site game San Francisco a four and a half point home favorite of course let me just mention that the previous game San Francisco hosting Buffalo initially thought to be in San Francisco that's this Monday night's game Buffalo opened as two and a half point road favorites before the game uh, was put back up uh, uh, with Buffalo still a two and a half point road favorite uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo in a key AFC game uh, on Sunday night, December uh, 13th. Pittsburgh, two-and-a-half point road favorites. And, of course, uh, this is this line was put up before Pittsburgh has finished Weeks 12 schedule, much less the Week 13 game against uh, uh, Washington. So it's really almost like a two-game look-ahead line for Pittsburgh. Two-and-a-half on the road at Buffalo. Monday, December 14th, the Baltimore Ravens at Cleveland. In an AFC North uh, contest, Baltimore favored on the road by three. And similarly to uh, uh, the Pittsburgh game, uh, the Baltimore, the other half of that Baltimore-Pittsburgh game that was moved to a Wednesday of, uh, of this week. Uh, so Baltimore will also be playing Dallas prior to facing Cleveland on Monday the 14th.
2: A lot of what Victor King talked about in the totals tip sheet this week about it being an incomplete week as far as scheduling goes in the National Football League with all of the COVID situation reshuffling going on. But nonetheless, Andy Isco, our good friend from Las Vegas, gets through it all with an early look at the early lines for next week's games in the National Football League. And with that, Andy, before I let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play on the show this week.
4: Yeah, before I get to that, Mark, I do want to mention I'm not a, fav- uh, a fan of uh, moving these games to Tuesday and Wednesday. It does a disservice, not necessarily to the opponent of the team that is forced to move the game, but – the opponents of that opponent who will perhaps not get the same benefit by uh, the added rest involved affecting a team that's uh, competing against in its own division. So I think the NFL needs to reconsider things from a competitive standpoint. But that being said, I'm going to go to the game I mentioned during the uh, line recap that Chargers uh, pick em at home against uh, uh, New England. Uh, the Chargers continue to play very well for large portions of games, uh, yet they also continue to fall short uh, at the uh, final gun. Uh, at 3-8, and eight, they've, uh, they have a statistical profile that suggests they'd be a team at or above 500, uh, yet uh, they continue, as I mentioned, to not be able to close things out. Now, uh, New England's uh, Bill Belichick enjoys a huge uh, coaching advantage in this game over uh, Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, uh, but that might be uh, the Patriots lone significant edge in the game. Uh, Charger rookie quarterback Herbert uh, improves each week whereas Patriots quarterback Cam Newton uh, he's regressed uh, since his strong September. Uh, Belichick has long had success against rookie quarterbacks. Uh, but this team uh, th- this season, they lack the talent of pass squads, both uh, on uh, both offense and defense. And of course, recall on defense, a number of Patriot players opted out of participating this season. So the Patriots uh, were at a disadvantage really uh, from the start. Now, this point spread may be a bit telling as well, this uh, game right at Pickham. You go back about two weeks when the Patriots were favored by two at uh, at Houston. Uh, the Pats lost by seven in that game. They held only brief leads in the uh, first half. Unlike in the Tom Brady era, uh, the Patriots uh, have been plagued by turnovers this year. Brady was uh, annually amongst the league leader in fewest times turning over the ball. Uh, The Patriots are now pretty much an average team with Cam Newton in charge. Uh, The Chargers have the number two passing attack and have a decent running game that's now been bolstered by the return from injury of a running back Eckler, so it gives them a little bit more balance than they've played over the past month or so. Uh, New England also has a strong game, strong ground game, but their passing game is below average. So I'm going to look for the Chargers to finally take advantage of facing an opponent that comes in deficient in some of the categories in which the Chargers have strengths. And you're basically just asking them to win this game. Normally, you would have expected uh, the Patriots to have been a favorite. Even the advanced line was pick them. I think this line is telling. Uh, the public still likes New England, and they may. Uh, side with them after that win last week i'm on the chargers this week
2: andy isco joining head coach anthony turning it from linning to winning this week the la chargers over new england for his complimentary play on the show and once again andy a great job as always we look forward to visiting with you once again next week here on mark lawrence against the spread until then i wish you the very best of luck and may the ball bounce your way
4: Thanks, Mark, and I wish you, Victor, and, of course, all the listeners the same uh, amount of success, and uh, let's have a strong finish in the stretch run and hopefully, hopefully, as few, if any, interruptions as possible in scheduling.
2: Let's hope so. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas, and don't go away, guys. When we come back, we'll share with you our complimentary plays from myself and Victor when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
3: If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach football newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. We're going against the spread with Mark Lawrence after this. Attention sports fans, it's time to
0: get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sportsbook online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today.
3: To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best. His awesome, awesome, awesome angle of the week.
2: All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week this week. It comes compliments of the Playbook Football Newsletter this week, and it comes from my Bet You Didn't know Handicapping article, which I title Substitute. One of the hit songs from The Who, one of our back classic Playbook Blackbook articles, and the way Substitute works is this. In the National Football League we play against any away team with an interim head coach that's coming off a division loss if the over under total in this game is more than 40 points so you've got an interim head coach coming off a division loss the total in the game is more than 40 points by playing against these interim coaches in this role we've gone 20 and 5 against the spread since 1985 that's an 80% winning angle And with that, we'll be playing against the Detroit Lions this week when they travel to Chicago for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week from his King Creole Sports service and his complimentary play on the show. Victor, if you do the honors, I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you.
1: Sure thing we haven't decided what's going to be on the menu for this particular week, but our uh, college football selections will be up by Thursday night and NFL by Friday night. And for the uh, free play this week, we're going to give the ball to Tuco again. And why not? You know, last week, uh, Tuco's play, his team total of the week was on Minnesota Vikings over 27 points in their game against the Carolina Panthers. And after three quarters... Tuco thought he was done for because the Vikings only had 10 points. But given credit, a big time comeback. They scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. I'm sorry, 18 points in the fourth quarter. There was a two point made conversion, including a winning touchdown pass with 43 seconds left. They ended up scoring 28. They beat the Panthers 28 to 27. Tuco went from the doghouse. To the penthouse with that one, so he deserves some credit. And we're giving him the ball this week. And he's sticking to the NFC North Division, and he's playing the Green Bay Packers this week. They are expected to score their over underline is 28 points in their home game against the Sad Sack Philadelphia Eagles. And Tuco is playing the Packers over that total of 28 points. Why not? We already know that. Green Bay is now the number one in the league in scoring this year at 31.7 points per game. And, in fact, those numbers improved to an even higher 34.2 points per game when facing any less than 600 opponents. I know uh, earlier in the show, Mark remarked how Green Bay has struggled against good teams, but they've certainly beat up on the bad teams, and Philadelphia definitely qualifies there. Uh, in the last three seasons, the Packers have averaged 31.6 points per game as non-division home faves of less than two touchdowns. Last Sunday night, they sure looked pretty good when they were up for, to 41 points against that uh, good Chicago Bears defense. And NFL home favorites of greater than a field goal who scored 40 points or more at home in their previous week have averaged 32.0 points per game. And, of course, the Eagles are coming into this one um, on short rest off that Monday night game against the Seahawks. And NFL teams off a home loss versus Seattle have allowed 33.0 points per game. And non-division road dogs off a Monday night home loss have allowed 32.5 points per game. And the clincher for Tuco is the fact that uh, Philadelphia, a great under team at home. We played them at home Monday night. We cashed with the Seahawks. But a very good over team on the road. And in fact, the Philadelphia defense has allowed 32.5 points per game in the last three years as pure road dogs of a field goal or more. So Tuchel's going Green Bay Packers over 28 points. Don't forget, we do love that under in the division game between the Rams and uh, the uh, Cardinals as well.
2: Tuco goes over the total in the Green Bay Packers game for complimentary play on the show this week. And be sure to check out all of the plays from King Creole Sports this weekend at playbook.com. You'll be glad you did. With that, before I get to my complimentary play on the show, a quick reminder once again from our good friends at mybookie.ag. You can still qualify for up to a $1,000 sign-up bonus when you log on now at mybookie.ag and use the promo code PLAYBOOK. That's up to a $1,000 sign-up bonus. Use the promo code PLAYBOOK at mybookie.ag or you can call them toll-free to take advantage. The number is 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to get up to a $1,000 sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag. My big news this weekend will be the release of my... NFL false favorite play of the week going this weekend. It's obviously a live dog. I see winning the game straight up a team that perhaps in my measure could have been a favorite in the football game, but yet they come the dog. We're documented 13 and one on this play. It's all part of another $99 football weekend of winners, or it's included with our double 10 star December package with every football release I make including our 10-star NFL and College Bowl Games of the Year plays, all the college football bowl games through January 1st, and every selection for just $299 complete. Take your choice. Either way, log on today at playbook.com or call me toll-free to get on board now for the NFL Falls Favorite Play of the Year at 1-800-321-7777. And with that, my complimentary play on the college football card this week. We're going to go inside the Big 12 conference and take the points with TCU when they host Oklahoma State this weekend. We're going to fade Oklahoma State who has really fallen upon hard times of late here after a 4 and 0 start. This team comes into this football game having lost the money 5 straight games in a row. Even worse, our midweek alert reminds us that they are 0-3 in the stats. They've been outgained each of their last three football games in a row, a sign of a team really leaking oil, if you will. Will fade favorites like that almost every time. In TCU, they're a mission team. In that last year, they had a five-year bowl streak snapped, and we love to play these teams when they're dogs with revenge, as is the case in this game. And a quick note from our Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine where we called out the fact that head coach Gary Patterson coming into this year in his career is 34-5 and five straight up, 25-12 and 12 against the spread when he comes off a losing season the previous year. Added all up, 4-4 four and four on the season, TCU will play them plus the points against Oklahoma State for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I'm going to thank our co-host, Victor King from King Creel Sports. Our good friend, Andy Isco, joining us from Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. And until next week, for our good friend, Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.